Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Thanks for the download and thanks for the ongoing support. Hey, continue to reach out to me on LinkedIn as a lot of you have. I, I love hearing how the podcast is resonating with you and what episodes that you've you've loved. A lot of you have reached out and said you've loved specific episodes and how yeah, you've tried to incorporate that in your HR practices, in your business. And I love hearing that. This is why I do what I do on the podcasting side. So keep doing that. I also have a survey for the podcast. And if you fill that out, you can be entered into a drawing. I try to do that monthly. And I'm giving away books of authors that I've interviewed on the podcast. So a lot of those I have, and I'll give those away. So please uh, submit that survey that you can find the link in the show notes. So on today's episode, I interview Brad Owens. He has his own podcast, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but Brad has over a decade of experience as an external recruiter. He's worked with Fortune 500 companies all over the country to help them hire talent from straight out of school all the way to top levels of the organization. Through his experience, he's learned how the best companies attract, hire, and retain their teams. And we've talked about that on the show a lot. And Brad lends a lot of great expertise on this subject. Uh, So Brad now calls himself the Robin Hood of hiring as he shares best practices from the largest companies in the world that you can apply in your very own small business. And that's what this podcast is all about, small business. He's also the host of the Small Business Hiring Podcast that you can find at www.smallbusinesshiring.com. And on that show, he speaks with small businesses just like yours that have been voted best place to work and has them share exactly what they do to develop such a great corporate culture. You can also catch him answering your questions live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at www.hiringlivestream.com. And we'll put links in the show notes to his guide on attributional interviewing, which is what our topic is today, and the podcast. And you know, if you want to connect with Brad, we'll put links up as well. So I'll get out of the way, and here is the episode and interview with Brad. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Brad, it's great to have you in the podcast. Welcome. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for having me be a part of it. Quite honestly, it's uh, an absolute honor. Good to have another friendly podcast voice to, uh, on the podcast. So, Brad, I on this podcast and in my regular job, I talk about this quite a bit, especially in the HR industry. Other other people are talking about this a lot, but and that's hiring for culture fit. Are you a believer in hiring for culture fit or skill? Without a doubt, cultural fit is by far the best thing that people should be looking for. I mean, if they're simply looking at skill set for their position, they're not finding someone that's going to last with their organization long term. I mean, you might have someone who's fantastic at, I don't know, programming Java or something. And that's great. 
until Java is no longer necessary. Hmm. And then what are you left with? You're left with someone that might not fit in your organization and just one skill set they had coming in. And you know, they might be hard to work with. People not, might not get along with them. So by far, cultural fit. What's the biggest argument you hear from people when they say, oh, like, why hire for skill? Absolutely. You need you need some really smart people, people who can get stuff done or are really good at their job. Like, what do, what do you say to those people when they push back and say, no, skill over culture? So there's this mentality in the in startup culture, almost. I mean, that's where I get most of the pushback is from people with small companies and need a very specific person. Like, let me just use a, an example here from super small company. Uh, I had someone who was a home inspector and all they needed was someone to come in, do marketing for them so they could have more jobs to go out on because they were simply they didn't have enough time in the day. They couldn't go out on these jobs and they couldn't even market it. So I talked with them. I said, look, I can absolutely bring you in someone that could market and bring you a whole bunch of different jobs. But then at some point you want to grow your company and you're going to want to be able to use this person that knows your business in other areas of your business. But if you're bringing in this person that only knows marketing, where are you going to go from there? And how do you know they're going to protect your best interests and be a good cultural fit? How do you know they're going to talk with customers the way that you'd want them to talk with them? It's just the people who really focus on this skill set, if you're not a I don't know, heart surgeon or brain surgeon or, you know, a pilot. Some of these things you need to have many, many years and years of training on. And I would hope my pilot has many years of training on. Focusing on skill set just gets you one very small niche of what you need out of this person. So when people come to me saying, you know, yeah, whatever, we just need someone to fill a seat right now. I'm like, well, you're in for a lot of turnover. And here's the big issue. People have done many, many studies on this and what it actually costs you to lose an employee. And I was reading a book recently that said it costs between eight to 10 times what you pay that person in their first year if you lose that employee within the first year. Now, we're not talking just salary benefits, that kind of thing, the obvious ones. We're talking lost productivity for yourself training them or someone else that had to pick up the slack. We're talking a potential you know, workplace um, morale issue that they could have caused that could have driven away one of your valuable clients. Yeah. There's all sorts of different things that can happen. So if you're just hiring based on this skill set, you're setting yourself up for a huge loss. Yeah. I actually, uh, just to plug another episode I did, I interviewed Roberta Matchison. Um, and we talked about her book, The Magnetic Leader. And she actually on her website had a worksheet that talked about the cost of turnover. And it literally had line by line, like what you're going to be losing when you when you have to turn over somebody. And I thought that was, you know, I've always heard the eight times, 10 times thing, uh, you know, two times three, whatever it may be. She actually had a worksheet that like, you know, if, if you had to give numbers to a CEO, here's how you cut through it. And I totally agree with you though. Like if you hire just for skill, you're bound to possibly lose somebody if they just don't like if you got what you needed out of them and now you're onto something else. It's just, it's, it is risky, but that's where people default to. Right. Cause it's easy. You can simply just ask them, can you do this for me? They say yes. And okay, cool. Bring them in the door. Uh, but it's just, it's not a good long-term strategy. And, and that's the big thing that I preach to people. I'm like, look, you've got to be thinking about this many, many years into the future. And if you're just hiring based on skill set, you've got someone that can do a job today, maybe for a year, but they're not going to be with you long-term. What's the culture fit going to give you? Like if you find somebody who's a really great culture fit, you hire them over the the, the fact that they may have all the skills that you need. What What is that going to give you over the skill set? When you hire someone in, I'm not saying the skill set doesn't have 
any part to do sure. it. Yeah, no, they no, have, you're, yeah, you're not saying that. Right. They've got to have something that can get the job done. But when you hire in these cultural fits for your organization, you're making sure that the vision that you had from the start, the way you want this vision to be perceived in the marketplace, the way you want people to work together, the way you want them to interact, the way you want them to interact with your customers, all of that will be maintained. As soon as you start throwing in people like, let's use football just started up, right? Let's use football. So the best player in the industry, the best player in the game is getting passed over time and time again for all these different teams because they're a terrible cultural fit. They know that as soon as they bring them in the locker room, they're just going to cause problems and they're, they could be the best receiver in the entire league. But if they cause problems in there, they know that it's just not something they want on their team. So when you bring in this cultural fit, it's just a lot easier for everyone. They're going to be easier to get along with. They're going to have a better attitude. They're going to affect everyone positively instead of potentially negatively. You know, They're going to be driven by the same things you want your team driven by. And then later on down the road, let's say this person graduates into a, a management position, a hiring position of their own. You've brought in this culture of these are the people that we hire. And now they're going to start bringing more of those players into your team. And you don't have this, the, the fast growing company problem of a cultural shift. It starts moving away from what you envisioned. But when you start hiring people based on this cultural fit, you know that going forward, this is going to be maintained and you're going to have some, some sort of cultural kind of uh, longevity to the people that you're hiring. I love the sports analogy because I'm not only my huge NFL fan, I just I love sports in general. I, I want to stick to this for a second because I, I want to push back and just play devil's advocate for a second. So I don't know if you're a follower of the NBA, but you know it's you have five players on the floor at any given time, and it's a star driven league. So my my point to you would be, okay, if you're one of these superstars, like you call all the shots because you're going to get the job done. You, you're going to you're going to throw everybody on your back and get the job done. And you may be a total a hole. You know, you may just be a terrible culture fit. But no matter what, day in day out, you're going to get the job done and do the best job better than anybody else can. So my point to you would be, uh, and just just to start a dialogue here is, you know, in the in the world of the NBA and other business businesses like that. You could have star players that could you could totally carry other people. Would you still rather hire culture fit and and find people like that versus having, you know, one just one star player? So this comes down to, I think, management style and how you handle that personality. Mm. So yes, I think that if you have someone on your team, I mean this is probably going to cause a lot of waves positively or negatively here, but let's just get it out there. So Steve Jobs, some yeah. people said great to work with. Yes. Some people said absolute pain in the butt, right? So if we're talking about the Steve Jobs mentality, yes, he did very well with the right people around him, but he created that culture that would work well with him. He created the hungry people. He created the people who were driven more by the change that they can make rather than the fuzzy feeling they get when they go home at the end of the day. So it's about who you surround these people with, how you manage them, how you, what you make sure you tell them what is and is not acceptable. You, know, you, you get to, in the end, call the shots. So there might be, like, let's think culture as a whole, right? If you're a coffee shop hiring in people that have to be really good in person, you know, make sure they're nice to all those customers, that's a completely different kind of culture fit that you're looking for than if you're, say, 
a security company or some people that loans out bodyguards or something else. I mean, you're just looking for a different type of cultural fit, but it all comes down to how you manage them, who you surround them with and you know, what guidelines you put in place ahead of time of what is and is not acceptable. I think that's a beautiful point. And I don't think a lot of people articulate it that way is like leadership management. They set, they set the culture, what it is. And then they just the way they hire for culture may be different than, you know, company ABC over here who maybe want the warm and fuzzy feeling of going home at night and doing doing an excellent job. But they're not maybe rock stars the way that Steve Jobs employees at the time, like where he would ride them hard and excellence was mandatory and he would be rude about it. But he knew he was going to get every ounce of excellence out of them at the end of the day. And I think your point is great. It's it's just different. And it's one cult- culture over another, but they still need to hire for what their culture is. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, it's always going to be different. You can't just say that here's the one thing you need to make sure your culture has because it's all different. You have different environments. You have different people that work there. You have you know, different parts of the country are going to hire different people. It's just it's all different. But the the main point that we always keep coming back to in this conversation is it's got to be on your mind. It's got to be a part of the fit. Yeah. You uh, came up with something, and I'm I'm not an HR person. A lot of listeners know that I'm a, I'm a marketing guy, so I try to ask dumbed down questions so that way make it to where the listeners could to learn something new, you know. And I want to learn something new too. Did you come up with attributional interviewing? Is that is that something new? Is that a new concept? Yeah, this is all my own doing. Okay, um, and I can get into where this really came from, you know, how I came up with it, and we can go into the individual yeah. steps of this thing. But yeah, so I ran across this. You had an ebook about attributional interviewing, and basically, it's an it's a different take on situational interviewing questions. And you have the goal of six key attributes, which we're going to get into, and I'd love to ask you some specific questions about some of those attributes. But these are the questions and the attributes that every successful employee needs to fit within the culture. So we're going to dive in to this whole culture piece and how do you hire for culture. But I would love to know what is attributional interviewing and how did you come to that conclusion? So in my day job prior to you know doing this whole HR coaching thing that I'm doing now, um, I was a external recruiter, which means I helped Fortune 500 companies all across the country find their next talent. And I did that from C-level people all the way down to straight out of college. And something that I found with working all these companies is they all interviewed more or less the same kind of way. And yet they always looked for the skill set fit and they always came back to the people who said, all right, well, this person can do this job for me now. But the companies that were really getting it right were looking at, okay, yeah, this person might be able to do this job. We might be able to train them up and do this kind of thing. But when they looked for some certain attributes, those were the people that came in and fit well with their organization for many, many years. They made sure that they were the people who would be a cultural fit. They would be the hard chargers, the ones that would want to learn everything. And it came back to six different attributes that I just kept seeing time and time again. And, you know, I wanted to treat this kind of like the uh, the hiring Robin Hood. You know, I wanted to take all of the strategies from the Fortune 500 companies and apply it to more of a small business setting and show people what they should really be looking for. What are those six attributes then? So I got, they're all A's. So there's the <laughs> okay. attitude. So is the person upbeat? Are they positive? You know, whatever attitude you need for your organization. That's the one of the big ones. There's aptitude. So if they come in and they may not have the skill set that you want them to have, what's their aptitude? What's their ability to learn new things quickly? And then you've got accomplishments, which are you know, when we think about the skill set, not exactly what skill set do they have, 
but what have they done with their skill set in the past? What have they already shown they can accomplish with that? And then adaptability. You know, can they change their work to suit some new environments? Say something changes in your industry. Say, obviously, they're coming from wherever they have worked into somewhere that you're going to employ them. That's different. How have they been adaptable in the past? And then appreciation, which I like to use appreciation as a can they show a genuine appreciation for their jobs and their career? You know, we all get those people in an interview situation where you ask them, you know, what's one of the most difficult managers you had to work with? And they just start trashing their former employers (laughs) as not someone that you're going to want on your team. So that's why I threw appreciation in there as well. And then amiable, the easiest one. Are they easy to get along with? Do you think the team will like working with them? Do you see yourself working alongside this person for a long time? The one thing that sticks out to me that's kind of glaringly obvious is that you have to you have to basically ask all these questions in the interview and, and really tease out whether or not they fit these attributes in the interview or in checking references and really talking with people who have worked with, with this, this candidate with the exception of maybe accomplishments because that kind of shows up on a resume at least on a very surface level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Am I correct in assuming that a lot of the work with these six attributes need to be done in the interview process and just how you ask questions? Correct. So the the big reason that I wanted to come up with a different style of interviewing is because the big thing out there in the marketplace, and I'm sure every single one of your listeners is going to know what I'm talking about when I say this, behavioral interviewing. It's yeah. been the go-to for many, many years, and it's basically just situational interviewing. You ask them, tell me about a time when X, and they just give you a story. And associated with this whole behavioral interviewing thing has been the star format. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, this star interview format where you listen for the situation, the task, what actions they had, the results of this whole thing got tied to the interviewer. And that is completely wrong. The whole star format came up to make it easier for the people answering the questions to structure their answer. So I'm not joking when I say this. I had a Fortune 30 company who was interviewing one of my candidates at one point, and the candidate said they had a checklist in front of them and had this the star format written down, and they were just checking it off as I went along. Right. This Fortune 30 company was sitting there interviewing specifically for if they could follow the rules of the star format, and I went, oh, no, something's wrong here. They're interviewing for the completely wrong thing. They're not listening to the answer. So the big thing about attributional interviewing that's different is people will see when they go check out this guide and yourinterviewguide.com if you want to see this thing. Uh, as you go through, it's not just the questions that you ask. Those might be 11 words, but you should be listening for four, five, six different things to come out of that question and what their answer is going to be. You need to be listening for these types of things. So attributional interviewing might not be a way to ask questions, but more of a what you should be listening for. Yeah, I think that's right. Let's start with attitude. I think we kind of get why attitude's important. You obviously want somebody with a positive attitude, somebody who uh, isn't super negative, you know, all those things. What's an interview question you like to ask to kind of tease out the attitude component? Well, you know, again, this attitude, what attitude you need for your company is going to be different. But one of the ones that I really like is tell me about a time you had to go above and beyond to get an assignment completed. Now, that might just be, what, 11, 12 words, but what I'm hoping someone gives me from that is, obviously, I hope they have an answer, but (laughs) I want to hear what situation did they actually encounter? 
So what about this made them feel like they had to go above and beyond? Were they maybe picking up the slack for the rest of the team? How did they react when they realized they had to do this extra work? Is this something that they just kind of um, fell into and complained about the whole time? Or was this a, yeah, I get a chance to succeed here? You know, what was the actual outcome? And how did their attitude about this affect the process or maybe even the results? So I'm getting a lot more out of them other than just tell me about this story. If they don't respond with what, what you're hoping, which is to find out if they have the, the attitude attribute or not, what follow-up questions would you ask to, to really hone in on, on that piece? So my favorite follow-up questions are always ones that just allow them to take the story where they feel mm. like it should go next. Instead of me kind of probing them along and edging them into the next answer, um, I always just, I love this follow-up question of just, tell me more about that. Yeah. And they can dig into what they feel like is important. And that's really what I'm trying to listen for in an interview of what they think is important, what they think is going to be the most relevant to this job. The next attribute that you talked about was aptitude. This one is this one I struggle with because it seems like the only way that you'd be able to test whether or not somebody could like has the natural ability would be to actually see them in action and see them do it. How do you interview for that? So it's all about what they've done in the past, situations they've already mm. come up against. Okay. And this doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, let's say you're interviewing someone straight out of college. This doesn't have to be a work situation, but maybe um, they had to, they went into a class they knew absolutely nothing about before. How did they start learning this stuff? How do they approach learning something new? How did they... Uh, react when they they found out that they were going to have this test come up next Thursday or whatever it was. There's always a way that you can understand what their learning process is. And that's really what aptitude's about. If they uh, ran into a situation they didn't know anything about before, did they uh, panic, kind of sit back, wait for someone to tell them what to do and teach them? Or did they take the initiative initiative to go out, you know, Google whatever they needed to at the time or mm, go yeah. to the library, find all the information they needed? How much handholded did they need to come up to speed? So it's their own ability to actually do the, the learning and, and come up to speed. Do you find that candidates, when you're asking questions like that, are they going to just give away that information? Like, yeah, I, I struggle with this. And then I had to go to Google. And then I went to the library to, to find the answer. Like, do you just find that people will actually walk you through all that? Yeah, if you ask him the right kind of question. So my favorite thing to get at someone's aptitude is tell me about a time you had to learn something brand new in mm -hmm. order to accomplish a task. So something they didn't know about ahead of time, something they you know, needed to know to actually finish this project. And I want to hear their process. I want to hear what they did, how they reacted, what didn't they know? What did they have to know? Are they starting from scratch or are they learning you know, what's in place ahead of time and building off of that? You know, how did they approach this whole thing? What resources did they use? How long did it take them? You know, those are the things that I want to hear from this person. Why do I feel like the answer you're going to get when like with the first step is, uh, so I went to Google. Like, is that, <laughs> is, that, is that typically the first step in the process? <laughs> I've heard it a lot, but you know, that also gives you something, right? If they're going there and they're looking for just, you know, every Joe Schmo with the website, they may not be good at trusting the right sources. They may yeah. not be good at, you know, understanding where this information is coming from. As a psychology major, you always have to trust the source, right? You have to make yeah. sure that you're verifying the source and that's all of that. So there's, there's a lot of different things that they can, you can learn from them about this, but really what you're looking for is how long did it take them? How did they approach the process and what was the outcome of this? So I talked about accomplishments a little bit ago and how the resume 
sort of has accomplishments listed, what's a really good way or, or questions to ask to really get them to expand on their, their accomplishments? So if they have them listed on the resume, like for every job that they've had, what are some ways you can get them to really figure out or though that you can find out if they've really accomplished anything in their career that's that's worth uh this position that you're hiring them for the thing that i'm most concerned with is what do they think is most important in their background hmm. what do they feel like they did that was uh, their best highlight so the question i just flat out ask him is what's your biggest career highlight so far and you know i want to hear not only what it was but why do they feel like it's important was it a big impact on the company? Was it a big accomplishment for them? And they felt like, you know, they leveled up in their career. Was it a big accomplishment because it impacted a number of lives, a number of their customers? You know, what value did they see from this accomplishment? Um, you know, did it make the, the company better? Did it just make them look better? And that was what was important to them. So you get a lot out of them, not just, you know, what they actually accomplished, but why it's important to them to have these accomplishments. And you get a bit more of, uh, their drive. Yeah. And I could see how in the moment that would be really hard for somebody to come up with. Like even you just mentioning that I'm like, God, I'd really have to dig deep to figure out like what accomplishment is most important to me. But I think y your point is really just going through the thought process and seeing what's important to them and what they, if they actually have accomplished anything in general. And I think you'd be able to tease that out quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I like to make the joke of unlike the stock market, past performance is a pretty good indicator of future <laughs> performance. It's so uh, true. So, yeah, you, you really need to just pay attention. Again, this is not about asking the right questions. It's about making sure you listen for the right attributes from this person. Yeah. So what what about adapting? Um, so that's one of your attributes, uh, adaptability. I mean, I feel like people could talk their way through like, oh, yeah, I could deal with change. And then the time comes where some big change happens and how do they react to it? Like, what are some questions you're going to ask to really figure out if they can adapt to things that are thrown at them? Okay, so adaptability and aptitude. I get the question sometimes that those seem very similar, but aptitude is more of the ability to come up to speed when something changes. Yes. Adaptability is more or less the behavior they exhibit when something changes. That makes sense. So like what kind of reaction are they going to have to, to right. whatever's happening? Yeah. Exactly. So when I'm looking for that from someone, I want to see, you know, tell me about a time in your last job where something surprised you or maybe when something happened that was out of the ordinary. So I want to see you know, what was it about these circumstances that surprised them? Did it just catch them off guard? Was it something that they didn't know was a part of their job? You know, what was it? Uh, was it a departure from the normal routine, something that maybe permanently changed about the environment? How long did it really take them to handle this? You know, what um, what did they do about it? So it's those people that shut down maybe when something changes or those people that see this as a challenge and are, yeah, I'm ready for this. Let's <laughs> do this. So you're getting a bit more out of them than just, you know, tell me when something surprised you. And they're going to yeah. say, well, this cool thing happened. Oh, okay. And it's and this follow-up question. Yeah, that ends there. <laughs> yeah. So it's all in the interviewer. It's all in asking those follow-ups, really probing, really getting down into you know, why this was such a big departure for them. I love the fact that you had appreciation on your list uh, of the six attributes. Because uh, I really personally think it can have a positive influence on the team. Just to show that you show appreciation, uh, not only for your job, but for other people. And I think it could really have a great impact on the team and just everybody's attitude toward each other. Uh, what are some great ways to find out if 
they're a generally appreciative person. This is going to give you some insight into how they viewed their career so far and where they feel like you fit into their career. Because, you know, obviously you're looking for someone that's going to be a fantastic fit and take your company to the next uh, next decade or whatever. But they're also looking for a good fit for themselves. So they have, they need to appreciate how this job fits into their future and why this is a good fit for them. So there's a spectrum of appreciation. There's maybe those people who talk ill about their former employers and you know, don't really respect what everyone's done for them till this point. And then you've got the opposite end of the spectrum of you know people define it as a kiss up, right? Yeah. So you're looking for obviously someone that comes in a little bit in the middle of that. But asking them those questions, like I mentioned earlier, of you know, tell me about a time that you had maybe a difficult boss or a difficult direct report or the favorite one that everyone likes to ask, why are you interested in this opportunity? So it just gives you a larger understanding around did they truly research your organization? Is this something that they've sought out intentionally because they know this fits in? They're very appreciative of the opportunity that they're going to have going forward. Um, do they show some genuine excitement for the chance to grow and stretch their abilities? You know, you can treat it also as like humble. So do they show this the, the humbleness in their background of, yeah, I've done all these great things, mm -hmm. but I want to now take this and apply it to you guys. And I see this is how I can you know, move forward with your organization and help you guys. So it's just this appreciation and it. You know, the way you put it earlier of, you know, having an effect on not only themselves and the business, but on the teammates around them, you know, that's the exact thing that you should be looking for out of someone when you we think about appreciation. We all want to be around people we who we like, who are friendly, basically just somebody we want to hang out with. And I, th I think that's why being amiable, like, I think that's why it's probably on your list. Mm -hmm. What kind of questions are you asking? Or is it less about the questions and more about body language and how they, you know, they enter the lobby before the interview. And is it, is it everything like that they're not saying that would make them amiable or, or, or what are you asking questions? Like, what are you, what are you doing to kind of tease this one out? So amiable, I kind of, the easy way that I always put it to people when they're having a hard time understanding is I say, would you have a beer with them? Would yeah, you invite them I to like your that. house for dinner? Yeah. You know, would you, uh, would you want to go, skiing with them on the company retreat or whatever you go do. I mean, is this someone you really want to hang around? So this is more of, you know, maybe even a cultural fit than all of the rest have been, right? It's just, do you see them getting along with everyone? Do you ask them, you know, what are their favorite activity, favorite activities outside of work or what gets you excited? And just leave it at that and just let them take it because maybe at some point you're going to hear that you've got something in common with this person that you had no idea. Maybe they are the best kickball player in the world and you guys just happen to have a kickball team that's struggling and all of a sudden, hey, this is going to be awesome. You're going to have so much fun here. And it's it gets you a little bit more energized about your work day with that person. They're going to be more excited. You know, these are the types of things that get people with small teams out of bed because they're excited to come to work with these people. Not only are they you know, doing great things in their business, having a great impact on their, you know, the local economy or maybe the economy at large, but you know, they like working beside these people. And that's really what gets people energized about coming to work. So I had to include this one. And it's got to be a part of something that you look at. When you talk with people about the six attributes, are you recommending that they, you know, craft specific questions around each of these areas? Or how do you, how do you recommend people prepare for interviews uh, around these six areas? So whether you prepare for an attributional interview, whether you prepare for any other type of interview style, 
the key here is having some sort of structured interview process. The you know there was a study recently, oh, it wasn't even recently, it was a meta analysis of all sorts of different types of uh, what the best predictor of job performance will be. And uh, the going about it as a an interview from kind of shooting from the hip, like, oh, I Googled a couple questions. Oh, these seem like good ones to ask. Oh, I kind of like these ones. And just kind of taking it as it comes on the fly during an interview. That style of interviewing, unstructured interviewing, is worse off than chance. So if you trust your interview process and you don't put some sort of structure to it, you'd be better just guessing, ah, eh, they look like they'll do a good job. So when you do more of a that's structured scary. interview, <laughs> right, it is. And that's the way most people approach it. So when you approach your interview process, you need to have some sort of structure to it. So the the way that I go through it in my process is, you know, most of the clients start out talking about we defined all their core values for them. We figure out what's truly important to them, what their culture actually looks like, what attributes they value out of people that are there. So what does attitude look like at their company? What does what do the accomplishments really mean at their company? What um, significance does that have to their organization? And you try and tease out what's most important to you. And then you craft your questions around what's important to you so that you make sure you get those things out of these candidates that you're bringing in. And then once you have that structure in place, you continue to use it. Because these aren't things that are skill set based. These are just purely will they fit in with our company and our team and our organization. So you ask these of everyone that walks through the door. Let's say somewhere down the road, you know, every interview process has faults. At some point, someone's going to get through the system that just wasn't a good fit. So now you have this structure in place that you can go back and say, okay, what question did we ask that didn't give us the right answer? What question can we kind of change up? And then over the years, you'll have this structured interview process that's going to be fantastic at weeding out all the potential problems for your organization. Do you ever run across hiring managers that, you know, when you're talking about this, these six attributes and building structure around it, they're like, no, I got a good gut and feeling around like just interviewing and I don't need it structured because I, I have got a good gut. Do you ever run across that? And then like, what do you say to them? That gut feeling is a bit of the attributes. That yeah. is, are they amiable? Do they fit in with you? Do you just mm -hmm. kind of feel like they're going to be a good person and get the kind of job done? So yeah, there's something to be said for a gut feeling. Sometimes you just know. I met and got engaged to my wife within seven months. You just know sometimes. So, you know, that's, you've got to make sure that you respect that and that you pay attention to it, but you're doing yourself a disservice if that's all you use. Good stuff. Anything else you want to cover on this? Uh, where can people find, th this is an ebook and I, I think you probably have more content and, and more um, expansion on the attributional interview. So where can people learn more about that? Um, I want you to talk about your podcast too and where people can find that because it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, sure. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. So yeah, if you want to learn more about this attributional interviewing style and even some example questions that you could be asking, you can go to yourinterviewguide.com. It's just a free guide I put together for everyone. It'll give you the basics of what these attributes are, a little bit more detail into what you're truly looking for, and then some example questions that you can get. Uh, and then if you want to listen to a little bit more of how small businesses, how successful small businesses are approaching hiring and the way that they interview for culture and are influencing their culture at their organization, I do have a podcast. It's called Small Business Hiring. And you can just find out more about that at smallbusinesshiring.com. And what I do is I go out to companies that have been voted best place to work year after year. I go to the companies that are voted best place to work on Glassdoor. And you know I've interviewed the number two, number four company on Glassdoor, the number one rated CEO, um, Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. You know, I've interviewed all these places. And you hear in the interviews 
what people are looking for out of the candidates they bring in. And time and time again, all of these attributes are coming out. So people may not know it yet, but this is how everyone's been interviewing. There's just never been a structure around it. So that's what I'm hoping to bring to the table is show people you're not alone. It's difficult to hire people. Here's how the companies that have been voted best places to work approach it. And I want to get all that information out there for people. Yeah. And I highly recommend your podcast. It's uh, one of probably the fastest growing business podcasts out there. It's great content. You just started this thing. So I'm pleased to hear all the success you're having with it and that you've been interviewing some great people. So yeah, go check that out. Brad has some great guests. Thank you. That that truly is an honor coming from you because this is one of the podcasts that uh, had pushed me over the edge to want to do it because you guys have just been doing it so well for so many years. So thank you. Appreciate it. Podcasting's fun. It's a lot of work uh, as you just have figured it out. And hey, you're doing video now too on uh, the, just when you do the Q and A's, it looks like, and that's a lot of work too. So uh, yeah, well, yeah. If you guys want to actually get into that, I answer people's questions every Thursday, 1 PM Eastern time. You can go to hiringlivestream.com. I'm out on YouTube, just taking questions as they come in. So if you want to come participate in that, we always have a lot of fun on Thursdays. And yeah, like Brandon says, they go up on the podcast. Fantastic. Well, Brad, thanks for being part of the podcast. We'll put links to the to the guide to uh, your podcast. Yeah, so our listeners can learn more about you and what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you having me on. And I'm here to help everybody. Don't hesitate to reach out, really. I'm an open book. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com. <laughs>